The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Listen to this. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with him. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you were to read through the book of Acts from the beginning to end, one of the themes you would recognize is often the risen Christ shows up in the church. So much so that the church looks a, bit of, a little bit like Jesus. As scholar Willie Jennings says, the church repeats Jesus. That may sound like a fantasy to you, but it is a witness from the early church that I find challenging, no doubt, but hopeful as well. This is a story about Peter and Peter, that first-string disciple who, along with Paul, the outsider, they shaped the life of the early church. Here, Peter is summoned to Joppa because a beloved saint of the church in Joppa had died. Her name is Tabitha, although some called her Dorcas. We've never really heard of Tabitha before, and we will not hear her of her again after this moment, but her death is important enough to the saints in Joppa that they summon Peter, come without delay. We learn two things about this remarkable woman. One is that she goes by two different names, and the other is that she is devoted to good works and acts of charity. She was kind. Peter comes and Peter repeats Jesus, to borrow Dr. Jennings' 
analysis, like Jesus when he encounters Jairus's daughter, if you remember that story, he's taken to this child who has died. He looks at her, Talithicum, he says, little one, get up, and she breathes. So here, Peter, he looks to this dead woman and says, Tabitha, get up, and the dead woman breathes. I'm not going to pretend to explain that. I've been hanging around the church a pretty long time, and I've never seen the church repeat Jesus in just this fashion. And yet, there's something about this story that I think is important for us these days. This is a story about Peter, as I've said, but even more so, it is a story about this woman who's Mentioned only here, Tabitha, that is her Aramaic or Jewish name. It's what Peter would have called her. But there are others who called her Dorcas. It's a Greek name, and they called her Dorcas because apparently they were Greek. Both names mean gazelle, and unless I completely miss it, I assume she is remembered as the gazelle woman because she darted around this community engaging in acts of kindness. And maybe that's why she's got both of these names. When I was a kid, when I was a kid in school, I went by Tommy. It's been a long time since I've been called Tommy except still occasionally on Facebook or I get an email that starts, Dear Tommy, I don't have to skim down to the end. I know it's probably somebody from Atlanta who knew me as a kid. Dear Tommy, when I was in college, I had a nickname. And were you to mention that nickname, I would immediately be transported back to 305 Smythe Hall which is an occurrence that's unlikely to happen because if you think I'm going to tell you that nickname, that's not a chance I'm going to do that. My point is, we have our names, but our communities also own our names. And I I wonder if this woman went by two names because everyone in the church felt connected to her. Everyone in this diverse community felt connected to her. To say it plainly, both Jews and Gentiles felt connected to her. And that was something of a miracle. A little little church history. The most difficult, complex, all-consuming issue of the early church was the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. One way to define being Jewish is you're not Gentile. They didn't share meals. They didn't share prayers. They didn't share holidays. They were divided. They didn't share food. 
they were divided. But if you read all the way to the end of Acts, you discover the most amazing thing. In the church, these divisions are beginning to break down. These divisions are beginning to be bridged. Jews and Gentiles are coming together in worship of Jesus Christ. And they're even sharing meals, and they're sharing prayers, and they're sharing faith. And they begin to speak of one another as if they are family. It is nothing short of miraculous. But before we get to that, we encounter this amazing woman with two names. And I think she's got two names because she lived as something of a bridge between divided peoples. Her name is Tabitha, that is how Peter would have known her, by her Jewish name, but her heart was too big to be defined by one community, and so she's also known as Dorcas, that's the name her Gentile friends gave her. How, how did she break down these walls that had stood for generations and create a community where only division had been before? I think. It's because she was kind. When Peter came, it says the widows of the community gathered around and they presented to him tunics and, and shawls and, and blankets that Tabitha had, had sewn for them. She had darted from corner to corner of this community, bringing gifts, showing kindness to Dorcas. It didn't matter who you were. It just mattered that you had a need. It just mattered that you were. Maybe your need was a result of some victimization that the systems of society had brought upon you. It happens all the time. Maybe your need was a result of stupid mistakes, stupid decisions that had been made. It happens all the time. She didn't seem to really care. She just cared that there was need. And she lived kindness. And I wonder if kindness is not a power. This is a story about Peter, but I think Peter is summoned to this moment, maybe because Peter needs to see this. Maybe this leader of the church needs to see this woman, this power of kindness to bring people together, this power of kindness to build bridges, this power of kindness to create community because the church is called to create community even in places where it hasn't existed before and maybe Peter learned that from Tabitha who was also known as Dorcas so several years ago my wife Carol and I, we followed our daughter Sarah on a trip to Scotland. It, it, it wasn't really a trip to Scotland, it was a pre-trip. She was a few months later going to be taking a group from her church to Scotland and Ireland and she needed to go over and scope out how you get 30 people in a restaurant and how the transportation works and where the hotels are going to be. And so we went along just to take notes. Part of the journey was we had to take a trip from Edinburgh to Iona, which means 
uh, we, we uh, had to change trains in Glasgow. There we were, four Americans in the train station there trying to figure out the system in Glasgow when an official, obviously it looked like, we looked like people who did not know what they were doing. An official came up and said, where are you headed? We're saying, well, we've come, we've come from Edinburgh, we're going to Oban. He said, oh my, that train doesn't leave for an hour and a half. No need to wait here in the train station. Just go out into the city and enjoy, enjoy Glasgow, get some lunch. And I said, well, our tickets, don't, we, we don't want to buy new tickets. He said, oh, don't worry, mates. I'll wave you in. Just, just wave you in. I'll remember you. I'll wave you in. Well, I was a little nervous. I, I, well, we went out. We had lunch, and we came back, and we spotted the guy, and I just kind of waved at him, and he said, come on in, mates. Come on in. It happened just that way. My son, who was with us, said, I can tell you we're not in the subways of New York. <laughs> it was kindness. The kindness extended to me, made me feel in a surprising way that I was not a complete outsider, that it was possible that I might even belong in this country that was new to me. Now, I, I, I know, you, I understand, you might be thinking this Midwestern preacher who's got enough southern in him that he's actually got grits in his veins, might be a bit naive about this, that if we're really going to address the things that divide, it takes power. You're right about that. But I also wonder if kindness isn't a power, a miraculous power. You know, sometimes people of faith have not always believed in kindness. We've sometimes thought our job was to be pure, to remove ourselves from anything that is, that is unfaithful or wrong, to remove the unrighteousness from us and to remove those who are unrighteous from us, to push evil out and wall it off. This happened several years ago, but it was close to home for me for one particular reason. There was a particular shooting I hate that I have to say it that way, a particular shooting. It is so common among us. There was a particular shooting that occurred in a synagogue. And what felt particularly close to me about this, it did not happen in my neighborhood, but the shooter, a man named John Ernest, was Presbyterian. And he said that the reason he was called to shoot up a synagogue is because he was Presbyterian. Now, he was not of our denomination. He was an Orthodox Presbyterian, a conservative branch in our family that broke off from us in 1936, but don't expect your neighbors to split that hair. Now, what his action and his rationale stunned not only the people of the synagogue, but the people of his Presbyterian church, including his parents and his pastor. But I realized in the wake of 9-11 and the acts of violence, there were many Muslim clerics who stood up and said, violence is not of Islam. And it was now our time to do the same, to say violence is not of Christian faith, no expression of racism, of white nationalism, actually no expression of nationalism, whether white or otherwise, is of Christian faith. 
Christian faith is about breaking down barriers and creating community even where it hadn't existed before. I think that's the reason we know about this woman with two names. It is clear her kindness brought divided peoples together. So I mentioned this trip to Scotland. On our trip home, things did not go swimmingly well. We landed in Philly and then boarded a plane to Chicago that was going to then change planes for Kansas City. But storms followed us and were ahead of us all the way, making a long story short, after being awake for 28 hours and having multiple flights canceled, we were told there would be no flight out of Chicago to Kansas City that night. We were stuck in the Windy City. We got a cab to the hotel. Now you're New Yorkers, so I'm not gonna rank this cab ride because you had no doubt had many more than I but at the time, it felt to me like the worst cab ride in the history of transportation. <laughs> we got in the cab, and the def window defroster wouldn't work, so his solution was to roll down the windows, which let the rain and sleet find us unimpeded in the back seat. He then said that his map program didn't work. Could I use my phone to tell him where we were to go? I said to him, it's not my job, okay, I wasn't mean, I wasn't mean, I didn't thwack him, but I was what my family has called short, which is what other people are when they're mean. So I said to him, I said, it's not my job to tell you how to get there. That's your job. Turn right at the next light. <laughs> so we got to our hotel, and my wife, Carol, who was more kind than I, she just said to me before we even checked in, she said, Tom, what do you think this guy's life is like? From his language, it was clear he had not been in the country for long. His cab was in horrible shape. So if he were like other immigrants I have known, he probably spent the day emptying trash cans at a nursing home or working a loading dock, and he spent his nights driving a cab, clearly was not high enough in the system to get the best cab on the lot. It looked like he was doing everything he could to hold it together and was barely making it. She said, the least you could have done is be kind. And I was ashamed. And I was so grateful. I was so grateful that he did not know I was a pastor. Because this man who I believe probably came here from somewhere in Africa very well may have been Christian himself. And I had a chance to repeat Jesus, and I didn't. I had a chance to be kind, and I wasn't. I somehow let this witness of Tabitha slip my mind 
She was a friend to everyone in her community. Like a gazelle, she darted from need to need, bringing kindness. And I, I think Luke lingers over this disciple with two names to remind the church that we are nothing if we are not kind. Philip Simmons, a former English professor at Lake Forest College in Illinois, was 35 years old when he was diagnosed with ALS. He battled it for 10 years, and during that battle, he wrote a beautiful little book called Learning to Fall. In it, he wrote, We know we are truly grown up when we stop trying to fix people. About all we can really do for people is love them and treat them with kindness, he says. Others don't need fixing so much as they need simple kindness. I think that's true. I also wonder if in this divided, fractured, disrespectful culture of ours, I wonder if a consistent practice of kindness could work a miracle or two. I had a friend named David he was a one-shop attorney in a church I served in Florida. He and his wife, Winky, and yes, that's really her name. I'm not making it up, changing names to protect the innocent. Winky was quite the football fan. David was quite the cook, so when the church school class got together for a cookout at somebody's house, you could find Winky out in the backyard by the grill debating the benefits of zone defense, and David would be in the kitchen swapping recipes for lemon meringue pie. He never called attention to himself. To my knowledge, he never served on a committee or a board of any kind. He never joined a club. He never held a leadership position. He was no mover and shaker. You would almost think he was an invisible type, except for this. Every time I saw David and I said, David, how are you, my friend? He always responded, better now that I've seen you. Sit down. Do you have a moment? Do you have a moment? Sit down. Tell me everything. Catch me up on everything. I want to know. He got a cough. He went to the doctor. Within a week, he was gone. We held his service, and I was stunned when we couldn't get everybody in the sanctuary. Now, it wasn't as big as this when it was probably just the center aisles here, but they were packed. People who, there were church community leaders there and there were people that no one knew and those who couldn't get in stood out in the narthex and out on the front steps and out in the street in the florida heat and if i unless i miss it what drew them there was his kindness we all carry with us our memories of david we all carried them to the sanctuary like little blankets and tunics and afghans and laid them before God as a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving for the kindness he had shown in our lives. Kindness is a power. Tabitha was kind. I'm sure the people she cared for are like people you know. Some of them brooding. Some of them depressed. Some of them angry at the cards that life had dealt them. Some of them self-absorbed and annoying as they can be but she she evidently didn't worry about fixing all of that she just showed kindness so here's what I think 
I think we need that kind of miracle in our nation. We are so divided. But America is not a given. America is a choice. Nothing about it is a given. It can't be taken for granted. And we're being eaten alive by extremes on right and left who are completely give, gifted with calling out every piccadillo, every wrong word or wrong deed, and it is killing us. We need a miracle. We need a resurrection. Maybe what we need is kindness for the stranger and the immigrant. Kindness for the political foe and the person of a different religion. People who are, people who are divided can be brought together. It's happened before. That's why we know of this remarkable woman with two names. And we know of her because she was kind. So I suggest a practice of kindness. And, and may, maybe, maybe it won't completely change the world. Maybe it'll just keep the world from completely changing us. Perhaps the risen Christ, though, may just show up in the church like he has done before. And we might be able to repeat Jesus now I know, I know we are Presbyterians, so we don't think of ourselves as miracle workers. If you do, we probably have people who could help you with that. <laughs> but engage in kindness, and who knows? It might work, a small miracle or two. It certainly won't hurt. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It is a holy love that calls you by name and will never let you go that has welcomed us into this time of worship. That we might be reminded who we are. That we might be reminded of our own story. That we might be reminded what we are about, what a life is for. And now it is that same love that does not let us leave but sends you out into God's beloved world, a world that is beautiful and a world that is broken. God's love sends you out because it is a world that needs a people who might trust in kindness. So go this week and do the kindness that is yours to do. Do the good that is yours to do, the best that you are able and the best that you can. Live the life that is yours to live. And then come again next week that we might be reminded one more time of who we are and reminded of our story and what our life is for. And now may the love of God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of God's Spirit, rest and abide with us all now and forever. Amen.